Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, coming to you from Malibu, California. Today, we have Dr. Aaron Grossman on the show of Checked.com. That's C-H-E-K-D.com. It's a health optimization site for performers. He's considered America's doctor for top performers. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I remember uh, hearing these podcasts a long time ago um, when I was in med school following you and Joe Rogan. We had some of the health kind of the health experts on there. It's just It's funny how the whole circle kind of comes around, you know? Right. Well, well, what's your excuse for going to medical school? <laughs> <laughs> a Jewish mother. Oh, you know what? Well, I've, <laughs> hey, I'm half tribe. I empathize. Um, that's that's amazing. So no, really, was that it? Or did you have some passion for it? No, no, I had a, um, it's actually, the, the story of, of the whole background of this is, is pretty bizarre. Um, but as are most things in life, uh, when, you know, when you put the pieces going backwards. So, you know, had a, an interest in science. I went to an art school actually uh, for high school, middle school, played the violin, uh, went to one of the top, you know, performing art schools, was going to go into a conservatory and just really kind of had a, had a, a gut inclination towards more of the science, you know, wasn't really going to kill it in the arena for, for music. Uh, went to um, an accelerated medical program in University of Central Florida and then uh, basically graduated early uh, by the University of Florida College of Medicine um, was one of the earliest, um, students there. Um, and then, you know, while I'm going through the medical process, really was going to do robotic surgery, robotic urology, had an inclination towards, uh, male sexual health and hormones and preventative medicine and realizing you know, surgery is not going to be the, it's not going to be my jam at all. Um, I just did not want to, um, the boot camp aspect of it did not really appeal to me. Switch to, um, uh, psychiatry because I could see how the pieces were kind of coming together for psychiatry to really have more preventative aspect to it, working less psychopharmacology, but more of a, um, you know, holistic tend to it. You can actually have a dynamic uh, relationship with clients and things like that. Long story short, um, this is where things kind of went kind of bizarre. Last semester of my medical school, uh, right before, you know, right as I'm applying to, uh, Residency had a rotation at Mount Sinai in New York City, one of the top programs. You know, I was pretty much ready to get the ball rolling. But deep down inside of my gut, I was like, you know, something's, something's off. This whole path just doesn't seem like it's going to happen for me. And I came back from Orlando. So I was at University of Florida in Gainesville. And I came back from a trip. I was actually working on what Czech became right now on, on the side, um, but ended up becoming checked. Um, just kind of a blood, a blood uh, optimization service at a time, you know, exploring that aspect. Uh, something told me to get out of my house. I uh, went to play basketball. So it's about 9.30 at night. And I get, you know, I'm, I'm playing the basketball court at the, at the gyms there at the University of Florida. And I see my phone going off like crazy. And I go, oh, man, something's going on. I get a text from a buddy of mine who's more of an acquaintance. And, you know, it's 9.30 at night. So it's either something really good or really bad at this point. And he sends me a text that goes, hey, I just drove by your house. Um, the entire fire department's there and your house is up in flames. So I drive by. Um, you know, my house is completely gone. The, the, my roommate's cat died. Mm. And uh, I just had this voice, that same voice as when we got out of the house. It's like, you're not going to residency. Um, you're about to go on a pretty uh, bizarre ride right now. And you're going to go down a very different path. Um, told my dean the next day after I you know, got a hotel room. In Gainesville, it's like I'm not, you know, I'm pulling out of the residency match right now, and uh, and all these other doors started to open up. Ended up doing a uh, plant medicine rotation with a physician down in the Amazon. After that, um, studying, working with the Shipibo tribe, um, you know, had a lot of really cool um, experiences where I could see the pieces coming together for what is going to be happening from the optimization and future of healthcare and the personalization aspect of it. And that's really where the fire, no pun intended, was kind of lighting up. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, who knew a burnt house would be at the end of a, a yeah, it's all yeah. 
<laughs> and it's very funny because the only thing that survived that that fire was um, back to the original part of the story was the violin from ah, nice. that my mom gave me from uh, from when I was performing art school, which I ended up actually having to sell to um, start checks at some point. I so, think you just won an Oscar for a screenplay. <laughs> 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 no, that's really great. Um, let's talk about how insane it is that it's not already so personalized in the 15 minutes, the HMO doctor, and we could talk all day about that, but coming out fresh from an MD program, you know, you already sort of knew what lines were ahead of you, but you've discovered so much since what to you is killing you about the practice of medicine right now? Well, there's so many nuanced parts of that. And it's, it's, it becomes, you know, certain people, it's very obvious. It's obvious to you that there's clearly a, a dissonance is the best word or a schism in what's really going on and what's being called health. And I hate this term because it's been so, you know, brutalized and, and used by other, other, you know, corners of the internet, but the red pilling of society is clearly happening right now. Um, in regards to, I mean, just look at the, the healthcare debacle that's going on with the, the, you know, from the political, socioeconomic, political aspect of things right now. So uh, we have, unfortunately, doctors used to have control of the medical system. So most of these hospitals that you, that you look at right now, I got to see this firsthand um, when I kind of went off the path and, you know, had some conversations with CEOs of hospitals behind the scenes and, and not really getting more into the dirt aspect of healthcare and, and seeing more from a, from a 30,000 foot view is doctors really ceded a lot of control to the C-suite executives and the powers that be who clearly have financial, explicit financial interest in um, pharmaceutical, the medical pharmaceutical industrial complex as, you know, as for better, for lack of a better term. And they realize they have this army of physicians who will do their bidding because they've basically been, you know, beaten spiritually to death to get into this position. And they don't want to, you know, cause a, a dissonance. They don't want to cause a, a, a noise or any kind of uh, issue because, you know, they can take their licensures from them like it's nothing. So they're basically doing the bidding doctors at, at, at these academic centers and and these different institutions on behalf of pharmaceutical companies, because medicine is now a business and there's no way around it. I mean, if you look at the model of medicine and you look at healthcare, um, pharmaceutical, you know, drugs, it's basically a subscription service. You have to take these medications for the rest of your life. There's no cure. There's no getting to the root of issues because then there's no customer. So it's, it's very obvious when you look at it from a 30,000 foot view and what we really try to do what we do do at Jack and what I've been basically spent my free time doing while I was learning the pharmacology and med school and, and you know, the, the quote unquote science that we're supposed to learn is what's really going on behind the scenes of these health issues. You know, it's, when it comes down to, if you, if you picture a giant pyramid, this is the best way I liken to it. Uh, I, I like to describe it is look at a giant pyramid. And this is, this was told to me by, I'm not going to say the school, but, uh, a CEO of a very prominent uh, top 10 institution. So if you look at the bottom part of the pyramid, that's what we would call the 90%. You ever see like the, the eye on the, on the back of the dollar bill, you know, the, the all seeing sure. eye. So you have the all seeing eye at the top, which is, you know, the medical industrial complex and they have their agenda. And then there's the 90% people like you and I, people listening to this podcast, people that don't have chronic health issues. People that are the 90%, they're healthy, they might have acute self-limiting issues, STDs, a cold, you know, something very minor, uh, something that could get treated in an urgent care center and along the way. These people have, have no reason to be part of the hospital or medical system because the second statistically they enter that, that system, the third to fourth leading cause of death right now, and we can look this up, is iatrogenic disease, which is disease caused by medicine caused by entering that system. Right. So we, and we mentioned that, that Western medicine is like the third or now you say fourth leading cause of death. That is um, pretty amazing. Darkly hilarious, you know? Well, it's, it's the numbers don't lie, as I like to say. So, you know, the best thing we can do statistically is keep you out of that system. And then by doing that, then we can really focus on almost a separate health sandbox where we're focusing on the issues that the 90% do have, which, you know, 
has a complexity to it. It's not as simple as, you know, as, um, as your book, you know, pointed out in the paleo, by the way, uh, probably one of the best, I didn't read the entire thing, but I, I first of all, thank you for sending that because it had one of the best, um, not overly simplistic stance on thyroid disorders, which we can get to in a little bit, but you know, there, there is a, a, there, that's one of the dynamics. That's one of the things that's specifically targeting this 90% that we're going after hormone related issues, thyroid related issues, insulin resistance, um, you know, xenoestrogens and environmental concerns and toxicities. These are all related. I mean, these can knock out the majority of issues that are out there. And in, and in order to get out of that system, you often have to pay a little bit more. You have to go out of your insurance. You have to go seek out a doctor that's not willing to participate in the insurance company BS and debacle and red tape. Um, and, you know, I've heard you say it before, like people spend more on their own, their dog's health than sometimes they do their own. Absolutely. Right? You know, so at some point you have to step forward and do that. Now, in the time that you've been working with people with Checked, what is... um. I mean, I know thyroid's got to be one of them, but aside from that obvious epidemic, what are what are you seeing a lot of? What are some consistent themes in men and then in, in women? I'd love to hear. So I know there's got to be some overarching themes going on. Well, I, I want to address that, but real quick, what you just said, I, I have to call BS on the people that are saying that, that it is expensive because I've done the math. If you look at the math, people are paying up to $1,000 a month for what essentially is not as worthless Obamacare plans where they get a high, a high deductible insurance and they're getting nothing for it. I mean, they have to beg and grovel. We have clients that try to you know, do their own thing and get their own lab work. And they end up spending three to four grand for, for you know, the labs that we would have ourselves. So, you know, it is a complete misnomer that you're, that this is in the long, we have to play the long game with your health. And I think a lot of people are, are really, and this is not their fault. I think the, the system in place that we're talking about, really uh, has done a fantastic job begrudgingly of getting people to think more short-sightedly and thinking, oh, I'm going to save money by having insurance when you're, what are you actually getting in, in with the money? You're well, and, and nothing. And here's, here's the only thing I'm getting. Okay. Cause I get nothing from my insurance pretty much. And I spent a lot per month for no reason, but here's the only reason. The only reason I have insurance, like a lot of people, and <clears throat> here's where the only quote worth it comes in is if I fall off a cliff and there's like $3.5 million worth of damage to my body, right? That's like the, it's always like, but then I can't just get it. Like if it were up to me, I would get a catastrophe plan only because then I'm, because the money that you spend, for example, go to a functional medicine doctor. Let's say you do all the tests in the world. You don't even have insurance. My gosh, I mean, the, the, the max you might, I mean, if you, if you can get a good one, you can spend up to two grand and get a full, you know, start to finish with supplements and get it figured out some a little bit more. But at the end of the day, if you do, if you, I spend way more than that a year in insurance mm-hmm. and I get nothing for Absolutely. zero. Um, so I'm with you on that. Um, and again, it's, it's in the short term. And I've asked people this for people with money to spend it where I've said, how much is your health worth to you? And they're like, Oh my God, no amount of money. And I'm like, then why do you keep going to your HMO insurance doctor? It's because, you know, it's a socially constructed thing. Like, well, this is already paid for. Yeah. And and that's just, but it's not yeah. because what you're paying for is probably a road to quicker death, right? 100%, I mean, that's 100%. what I was paying for. Yeah. So I mean, it goes again to the conditioning. I think humans on a, on a large scale are very smart, but in the short term, we're, we're, we're very dumb. And you know, there's we've, we've been programmed by the powers that be to really think short sightedly out of fear or what have you. So we recommend a lot of our a lot of our clients are entrepreneurs, five uh, Fortune 500 CEOs. You know. Um, in the tech space, even athletes will recommend that they just get like an HSA plan of their own and then get those high deductible plans because the math adds up. Because first of all, this is a, this is a really, truly catastrophic event. I mean, you know, you can bargain and you can actually negotiate a lot of these. Um, you know, that's beyond the scope of the conversation for now. But what, what the reality is, is it's not what they're telling you it is. But um, back to your original um, inquiry regarding the specific thing you're seeing, I would say, the number one thing people listening to this right now can get out of this conversation, if they leave anything, men or women, is there is an absolute, and it's not even a silent epidemic at this point, and you can see it extending into the geopolitical realm. And our inner, interpersonal reactions is there's a massive, massive hormonal 
uh, imbalance and, and, and issue going on between men and women right now. Um, I think the thyroid component is just an aspect of that. It's a, it's a piece of the puzzle. But if you really dig down to the root, um, I think the industrial revolution, as we like to call it, has had its consequences. And we're about two to three generations you know, removed from that. And we're really not escaping the, the, the issues that that has caused us, whether it's xenoestrogens you know, in the environment, whether that's you know excess cortisol, stress, I mean, pituitary damage. Um, the number one issue right now we're seeing with men, um, you know, and, and now the NFL is looking at it with CTE is you're having, uh, you pretty much have a 100% chance. I would pretty much bet money on anyone that's had a concussion, had any kind of contact sport injury. Um, they have some kind of pituitary dysfunction that will extend into a hormonal exacerbation, whether it's their DHEA, whether it's their testosterone levels, whether it's, you know, their thyroid it's all stem from the quote-unquote, the third eye, the pituitary gland, two inches from the back between your, um, you know, where your eyes meet uh, in the middle of your, of your forehead there. So, I mean, it's not exactly. Yeah, and for those that don't know, I'll give a real fourth-grade answer on that, which is that gland at the base of your brain is is kind of a watchdog for, for oh, wait, hold on a second. Elle's body's low in hormones. I need to send the message to her thyroid. Oh, wait, she needs. And so if it's not working right, right? It can either probably send signals that are too high, too low, not enough, and then people suffer as a result. So that gland is is important. And so obviously I can see how someone's brain getting shaken up in some contact sports can, I mean, sounds like dumb to say, but get rattled, you know? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. And this is my conjecture from an evolutionary standpoint, and this is kind of out there, but it is interesting you know, to ask why. So you know, if you look at men that take testosterone injections, what's the first thing that happens is they'll become sterile because their body will shut down. So it, it almost makes you think from an evolutionary standpoint that we are self-regulating humans to not be as yep. barbaric or intense. And what's actually diminishing our sex hormones. So it's actually our intensity or, or, or you know, species, uh, versions of humans or races of humans that have a violent capacity that are having these intense pituitary disturbances their hormonal regulation gets disturbed and it's almost like mother nature is self-regulating our reproductive ability. Um, if we go beyond a certain set point, that's my take on it, but it's, you know, like you mentioned in your book and, and really look at what the ancients and, and a lot of these, you know, metaphysical, I, I don't like the term spiritual because what spiritual means to me is more so science. We haven't understood yet, but there is a spiritual capacity to a lot of these, um, you know, these body parts. So a lot of cultures will not sell or eat the thyroid gland because they know the capacity it has. And it's under the dominion um, from, an, let's say, an astrological or astro astronomical level, um, under the dominion of Mercury and Venus, Mercury being the messenger planet, you know, Venus being the planet of beauty and, and you know, uh, aesthetics. And if you look at what the functionality of the thyroid does, it's the communication between the head and the body, the kind of in the neck, and then it, it governs, you know, the skin, the eyes, the nails, things like that. And those are the two planets that are the space holders between Earth, where life actually happens, and the sun, which is the source of life. So we really need to take a deeper look at the uh, the deeper meaning to a lot of these issues that are happening. Um, and that's, that's really the part that fascinates me and why we're having these issues. I think there is a massive disconnect between humans and these "quote unquote" uh, universal natural laws is really what what I would say is, is the bigger issue going on here. Yeah, boy, I have, there's so much going on there. I want to highlight the first of all. If I were a guy, all I'd be concerned about is preserving and maintaining optimal testosterone levels. That would be my number one uh, game. And you know, you mentioned a lot of CEOs or people you deal with. You know, and here's the thing. You know, there's you know. What about these guys that are bragging about, oh, I only need four hours sleep and they're go, go, go. It's like, that's actually so antithetical to testosterone. You're hurting yourself, you know? Yet a lot of people take those kind of things uh, almost like their level of stress as a badge of honor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, you know, right. You know what I mean? Like I, I sleep four hours a night and get a, and you're like, well, I don't know. If I, I, I can't be happy for you there. I don't think that's actually impressive because I know what you're doing to yourself. And at some point you're going to tap out. Yeah, it's very disconcerting. Um, the men especially, you know, they wear this badge. The, the clients that we've seen have this kind of badge of honor. But, 
you know, I think it was Thoreau that said that all men live lives of quiet desperation. And there is a um, almost a sadness that is occurring right now with men uh, because I think society has really kind of pumped and dumped them um, in regards to um, what their needs are and their capacity, especially men that are, you know, high, pro- high production males. And they're really, you know, the apex predator, so to speak, in our society. And the, yeah. the happiness, I believe, I, I mean, it's, it's. Wait, I want to interject. I'm laughing <laughs> because, you know, I think about, I think about the shark who's like, it's the apex predator. And, but, but even sharks will eat themselves into death. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, Absolutely. Because, I mean, they do that because obviously they're like, hey, it's here. Uh, uh, they don't have the forethought to go, this might hurt me. But it's funny because you use the apex and I'm like, well, it kind of works. Well, their, their <laughs> happiness has to trickle down. So there is a, a component of selfishness that, you know, we I, I tell people they should really have because if you're not happy, you're not healthy. Um, your, your self-sacrifice, so to speak, will only get you and yours and the ones that you love so far and will actually end up hurting them. So you really do need to put yourself first from a health standpoint, especially men with testosterone issues, because the within 90 days, the difference is remarkable. I mean, you know, we have wives that contact us, you know, clients and we saved our life, we saved our marriage, you know, and the change it makes in the family, the familial nuclear unit, so to speak, is, is pretty remarkable. And uh, I think men really need to, you know, this is the thing I tell them is, you know how much is in your checking account. These men know how much is in their stock portfolio. They don't know what their testosterone levels are. That's embarrassing. Right. I agree. That's a great point to make. And that's something that they would go, okay, yeah. I get it. <laughs> you know? And they're directly related. Yeah, exactly. They're directly. And speaking of this, um, you know, I had estrogen dominance and fibrocystic breasts and a bunch of BS there. And wow, the difference in life when hormones are balanced is amazing. I mean, I think right? Everywhere, everyone should start at at least the basic level of cleaning out the diet, maybe doing a light detox type of situation and, and get going there. Like everyone needs at least that, right? Yeah. To start, you know? So what, what did you specifically have, mind me asking regards to, regarding your, just a female hormonal profile? And then what did you do um, well, I had low testosterone a couple of times when I suffered during hypothyroidism. I had also had very low DHEA. Um, my adrenals were screwed, but I had fibrocystic breasts. I developed excess fibrinogen or fibrin in my blood as well. Uh, every, the PMS was really bad. Like every single uh, time after ovulation, I was dreading the the two weeks up until my period, you know, a couple weeks, whatever it was, uh, you know, varies each month dying, just horrible, sore breasts and bloat. And I mean, you know, it just, it was like a disaster. And then cleaning up everything, getting rid of the excess fibrogen, among other things, I had insulin resistance and, you know, I had attack inflammation from a variety of areas, but you know, it doesn't take long. And if you're diligent and compliant and you, and you're on it, the end result is amazing. And now I barely have any physical PMS, but I still do have a little bit of like, I, I drop my phone and then I, I want to murder it. But I yeah. think every woman has like that pencil drop. I call them like pencil dropping moments. You you do have an emotional thing that's there. There's still a little bit there, but my gosh, it's like barely anything. And I'm not physically suffering. Um, but I also, I, I did a mercury detox, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I took systemic enzymes and cleaned up the excess fibrinogen. I did like all sorts of things with a functional doctor. And that's why it's worth spending the money. Because there's things that no HMO doctor or PPO doctor is going to test that can go yeah. wrong. I could have had a stroke at the age of 42 that would have been so stupid based on something dumb that would have just taken me, you know, a few months of some supplements. I had high homocysteine. I mean, these things were all correctable, you know, and if they weren't, okay, we'd go in that direction, but they were. Yeah. And, and so how dumb is that? You know, and that's the thing. And I'm sure you see that a lot too. Someone's got some deficiency or something where you're like, oh my gosh, if this person had just gotten their, you know, uh, B12, they, they might've been fine, but it cascaded into something else. It's certainly disconcerting. Are you taking uh, testosterone cream or are you taking oral? No, I wasn't taking any testosterone. It, it was low testosterone during hypothyroidism. And then it really corrected itself. Once I got on thyroid hormone and okay. got back to normal, then everything sort of like, you know, came back to normal. I did take DHEA and I still, I don't take it all the time, but I do still uh, take some DHEA in my life, but I've never, I was wrongly put on progesterone at one point as well. So again, you know, oral or, or, or 
cream progesterone. Cream, and yeah. here we go with Try. the whole. Yeah. Here we go with the whole. Oh, here's a problem that looks hormonal, but not asking the question: What's causing the hormonal problem? Yeah. That was the problem back then, and I, you know that's what we're getting a lot at. So when people go to doctors, and I try to, and, and you are one, so you know, drill it in everyone's head. You have to still question them and, and learn, you know, and you've got to learn what's going on yourself so you know, you know what to look out for. It's just, um, I just trusted that. Oh, you want me to take this pill? Okay. You know, I was a dummy. I didn't even ask. So yeah. we've got to all ask that question. If someone tells you you've got something, go, wait a minute. I've been fine up until now. So let's look at what could be causing this, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, there's there's so much to unpack what you just said. I mean, the root, let's get all the way, you know, scaling it back from, from the standpoint I would look at is anyone listening to this, all, everything we just described just comes down to uh, inflammation. So inflammation just means chaos. So if we go back to those, you know, the, the, the universal natural laws that we were talking about before is you have these hormones on a molecular compound level are the base understanding between our bodies that represent, let's say life, which is the complete opposite or antithesis of chaos, which in my opinion is best uh, represented by testosterone. So if you were to basically synthesize a molecule of light for humans to utilize, it would, it would be employed and serve as the testosterone molecule. So you think of testosterone and the male hormone as light and then infusing that light, you know, think about, you know, men that are high testosterone that are actively transmuting that quote unquote light properly, they're infusing light and directing it um, towards a certain direction. It's a, it's a focus driven molecule, just like a, a uh, light has the properties of being either a beam or a photon. So it can either be a wave or it can have a, a focalized point to it. And uh, the focalized narrow, you know, beam like laser pinpoint nature of light uh, is crystallized almost in the form of testosterone, in my opinion. Now you have, let's say that's the sun. And then you have, we live on Earth, and you have the reflection of the sun from the moon. And I think that is best demonstrated by estrogen. And estrogen, you know, finds its ways into the different tissues as a molecule and serves to basically reflect and absorb a lot of light that scatters via testosterone, whether it's uh, things that need to be detoxified and what have you. Progesterone um, serves as a conduit between those, in my opinion, almost like the tides or the water. So there's this interplay between the sun, testosterone, the moon, which is estrogen, and its navigation. And it's interestingly enough, women, their, their cycle happens to work with the moon. And then you have progesterone, which is the tides, that work in tandem with the moon to basically flush out and detoxify. Progesterone really has that um, component to it. So it's getting that balance between, between it. As you saw yourself, women that have an excess of too much light or testosterone will have a solidification of some masses, you know, cystic, uh, fibrocystic issues, things like that. We personally try to avoid, we, we avoid estrogen as much as possible. Women, we do look to see if there's an estrogen dominance in relationship to progesterone, because estrogen um, is chaos. If you really look at it, it does serve its purpose in regulating blood vessels in helping brain tissue. Um, it needs to be at a certain amount, but too much or too little can cause a lot of damage. So it's best to kind of let it do its own thing. Progesterone, um, we use extensively in women to um, balance and kind of clear out the toxic forms and pathways of estrogen. So I think, um, and, and it's using those in the proper modalities, whether it's sublingual, orally, you know, uh, injectable forms of it, they all have different pathways that work. So you really have to work with someone that is not causing damage. For instance, testosterone in women will, will cause cancer. You take an oral form of it. Um, you have to bypass the liver. You have to take cream versions that are micronized. But progesterone creams are pretty much worthless because of the size of the molecule. So you have to bypass the liver with sublingual versions of it. So there's really a lot of nuances and complexities once you get, I mean, you're, you're, you're playing God, so to speak, with your body. Yeah, no, and there's always this um, natural 
it's a Goldilocks situation, like thyroid, not too hot, not too cold, not too much estrogen, not too much, right? Um, I loved your description of all those hormones. That's the first time I've heard it that way. And, you know, testosterone is so important for women too. And it, it made so much sense in the way that you described it focused because, you know, there's a great story in uh, some hormonal doctor's book from back in the day where a woman came in and, and she was just not powerful at work. She used to be powerful and be able to hang in there with everyone. And, and she was a tough lawyer, but just kind of lost her way. And she had very low testosterone and the doctor gave her sublingual or droppers of it, I guess. And I guess she misunderstood the directions on how much to take so that when she came back to the appointment, she was like super aggro. She was like, totally like, you know, like, just like, I'm killing it. I'm good. You know what I mean? So, um, but it's really important, um, because it's what makes people strong headed and, you know, uh, obviously men need more of it, but as a female too, it, it, it sucks when you have low testosterone. What's the, what's. Aside from cleaning out all the industrial seed oils and getting our diet and, you know, getting rid of some of this carb dependency and all the stuff we would be talking about anyway on this podcast, what are some things or are there some supplements like for men that they can take along this journey to kind of help optimize some balance? And then what can women do? Is there something out there that might be a one-shot deal for people as they're cleaning out to maybe add to their supplement regimen that could help this journey? Well, I mean, the number one thing is you have to have a baseline. So a lot of people, this is probably the most common question people ask, and it's 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 a good question. It's just you can't know where your baseline is without proper blood work, and that doesn't you know that doesn't mean saliva testing or you know some nonsense site that you see online. You really have to get proper serum blood testing of specific types of hormonal panels, inflammatory markers, um, you know, vitamin and mineral deficiencies. You have to look at the bigger picture. You can't just you know, Russian-related stuff. Your doctor, well, you're lucky if you get a CMP and a CBC. So there's a there's a huge, you know, we check at least 60 plus biomarkers in our in our you know just our premier comprehensive you know uh, panel that we look at, and these are all interrelated. So you know, we have I, I don't even say they're competitors, but there's a lot of people that say in the testosterone space. I'm not going to say their name, but I think they're doing men in particular a huge disservice because you know guys want to save money. So they'll say, oh, I just need to get my, my total testosterone and an estradiol and a CBC CMP, and they call it a day. First of all, that is functionally the stupidest thing you could possibly do to your body because there's so many factors. I mean, the thyroid alone, half these guys have a thyroid issue um, and not a testosterone issue. Another you know, percentage of these men have um, a, an inability to uh, properly utilize the pituitary gland. So they might have what's called a, this is from Dr. John Chrysler. This is not mine. It's my, uh, my term. It's his term. He's one of the godfathers of the, the testosterone space. Um, really awesome guy. Um, he actually is one of the huge proponents of looking at, you know, sex hormone binding globulin, which we look in, and put into our proprietary system. And these is, this are all multifactorial things. So you got to look at the, the back, the back filling as he calls it. You know, are you missing the fuel and the, 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 the specific tools necessary to make the testosterone. You don't just give someone, you can't just give a guy that's like 31 and wants to have kids testosterone injections because he's going to be sterile. Now you have to deal with a whole other subset of things. So there's the approach that we take, and this might not necessarily fully answer the question, but um, you really have to look at it like you're playing, you're like, you're going bowling. Have you ever gone bowling? Yeah. So there's a lot of gutter balls. You know? so, so what we do is oh, we I had so many health gutter balls. <laughs> there's a lot of, it's very hard to get a strike your first time. So what really we do is. is we put the, the bumpers right. and we pretty much guarantee that the, the pins are going to come down. It's just patience. And that's really what it comes down to is the patience aspect. Um, you really have to, it's going to take at least 90 days minimum to really know what is remotely going on with your body if you employ just one path and it has to you have to see the response you got to get feedback so anyone looking for a quick fix through nutraceuticals i mean you're it's you're just taking stabs in the dark personally I no, that, i'm, I'm so glad you brought that up actually that's the yeah. best answer because again it goes back to you know what it's worth it get inside figure out what's going on just get it done um because from that platform Oh my gosh. And there's things of which you would know that no amount of some supplement you take would even fix because it might've been the wrong one or something you didn't think of. So it's just worth the one shot. Get it done. Get the baseline. No pun intended also on that one. Um, 
so, you know, one of the things that we do is um, we have our own separate kind of in-house, uh, it's called Check Bibles. So we basically, we have nutraceuticals that are, you know, CGMP, you know, FDA guideline specifications, but we don't just crapshoot it. We design it for people that do have um, certain diseases, things like, you know, fatty liver disease. So we, we, we give it to people after looking at their biomarkers at a clinically effective dose, looking at the tones of research. So for instance, people that come in, you know, fatty liver disease right now, no one's talking about this. It's probably the number one. This, this is literally the number one cause of liver transplants in the country right now is fatty liver disease. Uh, 30% of the people listening to this right now have it 100%, don't know it, silent epidemic, 80% of you that are overweight. So basically you can't, you know, see your abs right now. You're about 10, 15, 20 pounds overweight or your BMI is over 25-ish. You have an 80% chance of having uh, fatty liver disease. All right. So let's get into fatty liver because I've heard, again, so much about, I mean, not the details though, but I hear about it a lot. So what causes it really? Is it excess body fat? Obviously it's the, the type of crap everyone's put in their body. Don't, don't eat fast food. Yes. But what's, what, what's happening there? That's a great question because this is another one of those things where it's so multifactorial. We're only looking at, let's say the last 20 years, this is a recent thing. So clearly there's a processed food component. Clearly there's some kind of environmental component. In my opinion, there's also the hormonal component for men because a lot of these detoxification, you know, your, your liver produces testosterone, right? So in the last, since 1980s, testosterone is going down 35% for just for millennials, which is insane. They're, they're basically becoming feminized. At this rate, there'll, there'll be women, there'll be women, I mean, biochemically within 50 or so years at this rate. Um, so there's definitely that component. There's insulin resistance. I mean, if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, I could go super, you know, uh, Alex Jonesy here with you. <laughs> well, no, but what's happening? Like, is it like, what does the liver actually just, it becomes fatty. It becomes like bloated and fat itself. Like what's exactly. happening to the so liver? So what's, what's essentially happening is uh, triglycerides and the long story of it, fat needs to be processed a certain way and it's stored in the tissue cells surrounding the liver. And these peroxisomes are these, these parts of the cell that are supposed to basically degrade the fat that your liver is processing, end up lysing improperly, and, and they end up being stored and actually causing damage, peroxisomal damage, it's called, to the cell tissue. And it starts actually resembling what's called um, NASH, which is basically if you were to have liver cirrhosis from alcoholism or have hepatitis, they're indistinguishable, except you have these fat bodies on them now and they're they're as if not worse and they, they rapidly progress until it's too late so this is the number one issue right now with um with liver transplant worse than alcoholism worse than hepatitis what i think is also happening there's a lot of um people that have genetic predispositions to certain types of food so a lot of us should not be eating fruit a lot of us do not have the genetic predisposition to yes. have um Fruit process. Fruit is a different type of sugars. It uses a lot of they, the, the liver requires a lot more energy to process fruit and the fructose, the ATP, than other forms of sugar. And that has a net cost to your liver. And it's coming from specific sources which are damaging to it. So I think a lot of people, we find out once they cut out fructose and fruit, um, our, our methodology is basically to heal the liver through very potent prescription antioxidant therapy. Um, and different oral compounds at a very clinically effective dose and say, hey, stop intaking this, this stuff that's not good for you. Let your liver heal, which it will. It, as long as a third of it's there, it's going to be fine. And then allowing your body to like, okay, this clearly doesn't work for me. And then adjusting from there. So kind of giving the liver some breathing room. Now, would high triglycerides be a red flag? It's red flag for a few things, but is that something that you, as a doctor, would go, "All right, we need to look into some liver stuff"? Like, what's the fatty liver marker? Like, what's that? I'm sure it's a variety of things, but can you tell us what we might be looking for? Uh, it's it's very multifactorial. The first, I mean, we look at we do a fatty liver screening when you come in based on delicologic uh, markers. We look at certain ratios of triglycerides, for instance. Um, what we you know. People look at their cholesterol and the lipid profile, which is pretty much worthless for the most part, uh, other than the, the high density, uh, I'm sorry, the low density proteins like LDL and the, and the LPAs and things like that, which we look at. We really want to look at the ratios 
Um, just like you want to look at the progesterone and estrogen ratios, it's different from the person to person. But you need to look at your triglyceride HDL ratios. You know, um, and I would say anyone that has above 150 triglycerides doing something wrong from a dietary standpoint, I can assure you that that's one check column in the fatty liver profile. Um, you know, you can look at fatty liver enzymes, ASTALT. Um, those will usually um, showcase that actual damage is occurring. Um, so, you know, we, that's usually the market that we look at, uh, in addition, a couple other things, including blood sugar. What about symptoms? Like, oh, what are people that end up having it? Like, were there any, is there a thoroughfare of symptoms where they're like, you know, where, where you might go, mm. that's, that's the scary part about fatty liver. There's it, no symptoms. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a silent issue unless you come in through someone that knows to actively do a actively be looking for. So by the time you go to your regular doctor for it, you're going to have symptoms of NASH, which is steatohepatitis, which is basically you're having a fibrosis and scar tissue uh, in your liver. So the only way they technically diagnose it from that standpoint is they do a biopsy where they take a core of your liver or they you know, do an ultrasound. They see, hey, there's scar tissue forming on the liver and you know, it's, you're probably not going to regenerate. So you really want to be on the lookout. Um, thankfully, most of the people, we get guys with triple-digit enzyme levels, and we reverse it statistically about 70 to 90 days if they actually you know, stick through with it. So, you know, it's very treatable. It's just you have to be – you have to have someone hypervigilant to look for it. Right. And like you said, you know, you you could think, you know, well, I don't drink. I may be overweight a little bit, but I don't, I don't drink alcohol. I don't do this. And you're like, well, but you may have the liver of an alcoholic. So here's, here's, this is when it really shocked me. So we worked with, I'm not going to say their names, but um, we had a lot of guys that are legit, you know, they'll tell us to our face that they're alcoholics. Very productive guys, but they're, you know, they're alcoholics. You know, we make sure that they go through uh, treatment all that before they get started. But they have uh, perfect livers, you know. So some people are genetically predisposed. But where I was going to get to was we worked with uh, an NFL agency. And this NFL agency, I mean, people listening as the following NFL, these guys are drafted in the first round, first, second, third round. You know these guys. I mean, they, they crushed it. Um, I would like to take full credit for it because I saw their, their lab work before and after. But um, I would say the number one thing that we, it was the most shocking to me, having been in this space for as long as I am now, is we have some professional athletes and you know these young kids that come in, and almost three-quarters of them, these are jack kids. They look sinewy. You would, you would think they're pinnacles of health. Adonises, right? They have some of the worst blood work I have ever seen in my entire life. Some of the apps, and they all had fatty liver disease because they're coming from these university systems where they have all you can eat food. Um, you know, they're just, it's high stress. They're over, they're over training. Um, right. They're carbohydrate dependent, they're sugar burners. And then they, exactly. and then, yeah. And then what happens at the end of the road is that's just, you can be inflamed and, and skinny and quote jacked, but you're inflamed. Well, these, the problem is a lot of these, and this is a major issue with these professional sports, um, the athletes that we've worked with in the agencies, I'll tell them to their face, you know, you're working with a bunch of idiots. Um, they hire these nutritionists who have no conception of biochemical reality. So one of the, the individual that they, um, you know, they had on board was um, giving them like lemon water or something to like deal with their issues. I'm like, these kids have fatty liver disease. Like they need to be on a high dose prescription antioxidant therapy. They need these specific. So I mean, it was all reversed, but it's just a very sad state of affairs. You know, these are supposed to be the the people that we emulate as pinnacles of health, and I would not trade blood work with them in a heartbeat. Yeah, I always say look at the person's blood work before you envy their body. Um, tell us, how can we can we work with you from anywhere in the world? I mean, you know, access to good assessment of blood work and getting to the root of this stuff and trying to clean up one's life is hard for everyone, no matter where you are in this country. Um, you know, so how do you work with people? So, I mean, the, the regulatory environment globally is pretty much a nightmare. So um, we, are def- we are national. You know, we work with Americans. We have some clients that are Canadian that we can work with. Um, we have some people that fly in. We do advice only, um, some advice only consultations that we can work with clients globally. Um, we do not, you know, dispense any kind of medical, you know, um, treatment or anything like that from a, from a regulatory standpoint. But uh, as far as from the United States, anyone that wants to work within, our, within the confines of the Czech system, you know, getting blood work, working with our Czech practitioners, working with our, you know, our system that 
you know, is real time and we'll, we'll get you the latest up-to-date uh, information regarding your health. And we're looking at other people that come in. So every person that comes in, basically, you know, we're going to keep everything fine. It's, it's even more fine-tuned for you. You know, we have protocols that change. We have guys that come in on testosterone and your data comes in and we go, you know what, we've got to switch you right now. Um, you know, for instance, there's a lot of misinformation. Guys, there's probably a lot of guys listening to this that are on, fire, on testosterone replacement right now. And, you know, they are not taking HCG. So some guys need it sometimes, some guys don't. But the LH receptor, which is being suppressed, which is what's produced why your, your testicles shrink on testosterone, some men actually do need uh, a, a slight bit of HCG. A lot of this is from Dr. Chrysler's methodologies and a lot of the experts that we follow. You know, we're getting the best information up to date from all these different sources. So, you know, a lot of men will experience. I, I test everything on myself, also, obviously, except for the, the female things. I don't want to check. I don't want to chemically castrate myself with progesterone. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of men get this edge kind of burnout feeling when they're on testosterone too long. It's what we call the, the Icarus effect, where they're kind of only riding on the testosterone and their FSH and LH are completely suppressed. So that needs to be restored. So it's it's all about the patients and following the protocols and having the follow up blood work and having you know it dialed in specifically for your needs. I can assure you that it's not the same for everyone. So um, yeah, if anyone wants to work with us, we're, we're waitlisting some people in certain areas right now, um, but we are scaling out a whole new, um, very cool. Um, you know, we'll maybe we'll announce it in the near future. We'll come back on. But just come on to chekd.com and uh, just sign up for an open conversation or email us at hello at chekd.com. And then let us know um, if you heard us from on the podcast. We'll, uh, we'll make sure you guys get a special special gift if you sign up for us for, for listening to the podcast. Oh, how nice of you. Hey, tell us, too, there's a bunch of YouTube videos of you already. How can we also hear more from you? Uh, you have a podcast and you're also a regular guest on someone else's. So how else can we go? Listen, I want to hear more because you've got great YouTube videos on specific topics. You know, people can really learn a lot. And that's what we want people to do is start to arm themselves and start to learn. Right. So how can we learn more from you? I appreciate it. I'm actually trying to get into this this media game. I follow a lot of um, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, I have nothing but respect for that guy. I think he's a genius. And um, so on Twitter, um, I've really been going hard on that. It's... Um, uh, just look up Dr. Aaron Grossman, MD, or Aaron Grossman, MD, at Aaron Grossman, MD, uh, Snapchat, Dr. Aaron Grossman, MD, Aaron Grossman, MD.com, or Dr. Aaron Grossman, MD.com, or Dr. Aaron Grossman.com. I don't know those domains, but they're the same place. And we'll put them all in the show notes. So we'll put all the links to all of your social media. And of course, also your social media links are on your website. But if you go to YouTube and, and type in, you know, Aaron Grossman, MD, there's also a bunch of videos up there right now that people can um, find out more about different topics. Yeah, absolutely. What else would you like uh, in closing? I'd love to know, like, what, what else? What else would you like to leave our audience with? You know, the the primary thing we can all do, other than, of course, cleaning up the diet. First of all, I got to plug those chocolate bars that you guys have because those oh. are the best things. <laughs> it's legit the, the best thing. bars. They're so good. I ate them all in one sitting, like, and within a day and a half, they were they're, they're just obscene. So, oh my god, I love the impromptu please, advertisement. That's please awesome. buy that. I'm not joking. I. I I'm not a bar guy. Like I don't really, really, I, I'm just most boring food eater. I eat like the same, like four or five things, but I would destroy an entire face of those things. Um, <laughs> but really the most important thing is for people to really just question things and not, you know, look for the truth and, and what's going on. There's so much nonsense in this space in particular. And there's, I don't want to mention names, but you see them. There's so many people that are peddling just absolute horse crap and they really need to just stay in their lane. And I think you really need to be selfish and proactive about your health, especially if you're a high performer, your top performer, um, your doctor, unfortunately is not, you know, unless he goes out of his way to learn this information, not going to know about this stuff. So you really have to take a proactive um, look into an optimization program or optimization space and make sure you stay the hell away from being part of that, you know, not 90%. Stay away from that healthcare system as much as you can. And then really, once you're far removed from that, you can really focus on the issues that are hormonal exacerbations, thyroid issues, things like that. You know, this stuff's easy. You've got to work out three, four times a week, you know, lift weights. You know, if 
it's common sense now what to eat. You know, there's just avoid you know processed foods. It's just making sure that um, the intake outtake, the input output is properly regulated, and you have uh, someone on the journey with you that just basically, hey, this is the truth. And sometimes the truth is uncomfortable, but you, you have to be able to take the medicine, so to speak. So, but uh, you know, please get those bars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to cure all your ills, just eat Primal Kitchen Collagen Mars. No, that's so great. Um, thank you so much. You're a wealth of information. We look forward to all of the, the work you're going to do in the future. And again, that's chekd.com. Um, or you can just also Google Dr. Aaron Grossman or AaronGrossmanMD.com as well. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to having you back on the show. Thank you. This has been an absolute blast. It was awesome questions, and um, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Talk soon. Have a good day. Thank you. So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table. It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the Primal Kitchen Wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too it's so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh my god! So she likes like the mayo on. A oh yeah, she so she loves those. So we love them as well. We have uh, we we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo. We eat the balsamic. We eat the the ranch. Um, the avocado oil we use all the time, and, and so you know that's completely genuine. And I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. <laughs> and uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> That's my pleasure.